This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, here we are, The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio and Charlie Dobbin from her home in Prince Edward County, me on the farm here in Newmarket. And uh, Charlie, yesterday, uh, Shirley and I took a drive down Kennedy Road to the uh, garden center located on Kennedy Road, and uh, it was just accepting curbside. Mm. There was no, you know, people going in, they weren't allowed in. And it's so confusing, this whole deal of why folks can't go to a garden center. Well, it's so frustrating. Like, how often do you know in advance what you want to buy at a garden center? Like, seriously. That's right. How can you, yeah. phone, like, you can't shop for flowers online when who knows what they've got in stock, right? So, bottom line, it's not working. It's so wrong. The poor garden center owners, it's the independents that are really getting hit with this because, um, you know, Loblaws has their garden center, Metro, Longos, they're all wide open, no problem. You can go in and shop all you want. Yeah. But it's the independence. It's the, you know, well, Frank Ferragini said it pretty well. Like his family's company is Bradford Greenhouses. They're trying so hard to allow shoppers to see what they've got and then shop from outside and have staff run back and forth, back and forth. <clears throat> it's just nuts. It's nuts. You can't do that. It's, this is a seasonal business. It's got to be open, open, open with proper social distancing. It cannot be shop on the web or shop at curbside for garden center products. Um, and it's just not fair the way it's, it's rolled out, and it's way too confusing and way too frustrating. Well, as far as garden centers are concerned, May, the month of May, is a make it or break it month. You know, <laughs> you know Mother's, Day. Mother's Day is it, coming up, you know? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And that's what everybody's geared up for. I spent 18 years in retail. I know May. I know, <laughs> I know May. Trust me. And, and you just, you never sleep. You never eat. You have a hard time just going to the bathroom in May because you're so busy. Yep. And, uh, that's just not happening. And that's going to kill and hopefully, you know, put out of business some of the small, smaller independents. And that's really unfortunate because, uh, the big box stores are, are open without any issues, but enough. Enough of that frustration. Um, you know, hopefully that will change soon. And in the meantime, let's welcome the other member of our team. Emmy, are you there? Yep. Hey, good morning. <laughs> nice little yep there. <laughs> Hiya, Emmy. Nice to have you with us. <laughs> so did you see the fan mail that I forwarded to your dad from one of our fans, Maureen Boyce? Yes. So how, how cool is that? Uh, Maureen said she really, really likes hearing your voice. It cheers her right up. Tell, tell Charlie and, 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 and Frank who your biggest fans are, though. Who listens every Saturday morning for you now? Um, my Oma and Opa. Oh, my and Opa, of course. Yeah, well, hi to the grand folks. Yeah. Say hi to them. That's great. Hi, Oma and Opa. I love you so much. Hey, this is fun, eh? Uh, okay, so uh, did you do your homework? Have you got the answer to the question I left you with last week, Emmy? I do. 
Excellent. What's what, first? What's the question, Frank? Uh, the question was, he got, uh, <laughs> what was it? Oh, what do you call someone who um, is studies. Uh, studies bugs? They're called an entomologist. Ooh, Ooh gold star man. for you. Well done. There's a $10 <laughs> word. Wow. Good stuff. Entomologist. <laughs> and I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I find entomology fascinating. I find bugs. Have you seen any good bugs since we last spoke? I mean, I guess you haven't been outside much. Uh, well, I have seen one bug that I'm interested in. Oh, yeah. It's kind mm -hmm. of long, and it kind of looks like a potato bug. And was that outside, I assume? Yeah, that was on the roof. <laughs> so where I live, we have um, a big pile of rocks at the back of the property, because that's one of the things about this area I live is there's a lot of rocks, and they've been piled in a big pile by f past farmers in the past. And it is a, here's a, here's a $100 word for you. It's a hibernaculum. Wow. A hibernaculum is where animals hibernate. And guess who hibernates in this big pile of rocks in the back of my back, in my backyard? Uh, Not bears. <laughs> I don't know. So it's snakes. I have garter snakes. I have lots of garter snakes living in the rocks. I've seen a few already this spring. So they're out. Oh, have you? Yeah, they're out oh. in the sun. They grab days like like today of to get out into that beautiful warm sun, and then they just hang out, and then they deep back in because we've had some cold nights, and there's still frost in the forecast, unfortunately. So, Emmy, you got any questions for us? Yeah, I have one. Excellent. My question is. Um, what climate can you grow poinsettias in? Oh, good question. Poinsettias outside, you mean? Yeah. Okay, so you know where poinsettias originated from, and that would be obviously where they naturally grow, and that is the country of Mexico. Cool. And I actually, believe it or not, a long, long time ago, was in a small, small village in Mexico right around Christmas time, and I saw a real poinsettia in its natural habitat, and it's a big tree. Not a huge tree, not like huge like a maple tree. It's a tree like a crab apple, so maybe five meters high, 15, 16 feet tall and wide, but all red. The whole thing was pure red, and it was a big tree, and it was so cool. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what a poinsettia is supposed to look like. Um, there <laughs> is one thing that's kind of interesting about that fact. You'd... You'd think that they actually grow somewhere cold because they're um, they're supposed to go out, and you think of them most in Christmas, and that's when winter is. But if you lived in Australia, would it be winter at Christmas time? Hey, I'm going to leave that with you. You can report back next next week on what what what's it like at Christmas time in Australia? The the weather. <laughs> well, maybe we better take a look at some of our emails, honey. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Emmy, very much for guesting with us once again. You're welcome. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, love. Uh, let's get to a uh, first question here. Sent in an email from Heather Sinopoli from the Riverdale Horticultural Society. Matter of fact, I remember meeting her a couple of years ago, Charlie, when I drove over to their place to pick up some worm castings for use in our gardens, right? I wonder, I wonder if they're doing that again, because that's a big fundraiser for them, and they usually do it in May every year. So worm castings by the bag. And they worked well for you, didn't they, those worm castings? Yes, they did. Yeah, Shirley was really pleased with that. All right, now, the question she sends in today 
Uh, Heather says, it's about toxic soil. She says, last year, I grew a fabulous castor bean plant in a large planter. Now, this year, I will probably go something different in that planter. Will there be any toxic residue in the soil as I plan to reuse it this year? Hmm. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, good question. Yes, castor bean, very popular plant because it grows from a seed and it grows really big, really fast. So you you put this bean seed, you feel like, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk because you put a bean seed into the soil and before the summer is over, you've got a plant that's 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide from that one seed. And every single part of the plant is poisonous, including the seeds and the leaves and the roots and everything. So my, my response to Heather's question is, I would not be at all concerned about reusing that planter box with its current soil for any plants at all, except I would avoid edible plants in that soil. I'd just be a little on edge that there is still residue in the soil from the castor bean. And of course, like I said, it's very, very, very toxic. <clears throat> the, <clears throat> excuse me, the genus is Racinus uh, of castor bean. And of course, you remember ricin from uh, uh, one of the horrible toxic uh, gases that are sometimes used by terrorists in, the, in our world. So it's all from originally from castor beans. And um, yeah, so avoid edibles in that soil. Uh, but otherwise, I think it's... Pe- Perfectly fine to grow any ornamental plants whatsoever. Okie dokie. Thank you. Uh, Here's a note from Cheryl and Tony. Uh, Fungus on tree branches is the subject matter. They Mm -hmm. sent along a picture for you to have a peek at and go on to ask, could you please help give me direction on how to treat our service berry tree and what this is called? It has this fungus, has had this fungus for several years, but seems to be getting worse now. The tree is healthy. Tree is about 20 years old, but some small branches are getting brittle. I've noticed other types of trees in the area that have the same problem. Thanks for your help, and please stay safe, says Cheryl. Wonderful. Thank you, Cheryl. Great question, and pretty good picture as well. Um, Okay, lichen. L-I-C-H-E-N. Many people don't understand what lichen is. They worry that it's a a disease and that it's hurting the plant. It is not. Lichen is uh, growing on the surface of the plant, of the bark of the tree. It is not harmful to the tree. It should never be removed by you because you'll do more damage to the tree than you'll do just letting it sit there and grow on the surface of the tree. It's interesting. Lichen are um, an amalgamation of fungus and algae. So the fungus and the algae grow together. The algae photosynthesizes and makes sugar that feeds the um, fungus. And the fungus, meanwhile, provides a substrate for the algae to live on. So they have a symbiotic partnership, the two of them, and they do quite nicely together. But uh, never be concerned about lichen. They grow on the surface of the tree. They do not penetrate any tissue. Um, they are just using the tree as support. Um, so uh, enjoy lichen because they, they turn different colors at different times of the year. And they also tell you a little bit about the um, air. They tell you the health of the lichen tells you about the um, quality of the air or the amount of pollution in the air where you live. So lots of lichen typically means you've got cleaner air than not. So just leave it alone and enjoy it. I like lichen. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here on uh, Zoomer Radio and come back in just a few moments uh, to answer more emails. But keep in mind, please, we would like you to send more questions for use next week. 
and send those questions along to uh, Charlie Dobbin at C. Dobbin. That's D O B B I N at MZMedia.com. Back in just a couple of moments. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, you're listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. And on the other line, that's Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener. Hey, Charlie, here's a note we've got from Richard Bifus, who says uh, we listen to your program every Saturday. And they sent along a picture for you to have a peek at and said, uh, I received this plant as a very small plant four years ago. It bloomed right away the very first year. It had a tall stalk with a big globe flower. It outgrew the pot, so I had to replant it. It has had three more plants growing in the same pot. It has not flowered since. What am I doing wrong? Actually, it was Miriam who sent that uh, question. And that is, picture is of a clivia, C-L-I-V-I-A, clivia plant. Really nice plants. Eat Pretty easy to grow. Um, my point to them is do not be potting that plant up because clivia likes to be crowded. The more crowded they are, the more likely they are to flower. So don't rush in, into any repotting. Uh, just follow uh, general instructions, water as necessary, fertilize when actively growing, put it outside for the summer if you can, and keep it obviously in bright light indoors or out. Uh, I've seen some, look, I've seen some that are put out for the summer that are just covered in blooms uh, around about July. Mid midsummer, they'll just bust into bloom. So yeah, if you can get them outside, do so. But otherwise, they will flower inside at their own, you know, discretion, so to speak. Okay, alrighty. Uh, let's see. We've got a note here from Margaret Woolsey, who says, "Love your show and listen faithfully." We'd like to know the name of this house plant. And she sent you a picture, obviously. Uh, recently, it had a growth. Would not call it a flower. Maybe an attempt to seed. Nice sculptural plant with leaves set side by side. I would give my best to Frank, too. Well, thank you very much for that. But she sent along three pictures for you to identify. So how are you doing with that? So this is a pretty cool plant. It's it's still fairly new in the industry in the sense that, let me think, <clears throat> it's called, the common name is ZZ plant. So Z-E-E-Z-E-E. So ZZ plant. Uh, only came into the world of tropical uh, plants being, you know, purchased and, and uh, propagated in the Canadian market in the 1990s. So it's been around for 20 or 30 years, but not that long. And it is a super easy plant to grow. I've seen these in hotel uh, elevator dark corners. Um, I've seen them in you know shopping malls. They are shiny, succulent leaves. They grow on a very um, thick stem. They are the kind of plant that thrive on neglect. Now, when I'm looking at these pictures, well, number one, um, um, oh, who are we here talking to here? Margaret was not sure. She thought that it was not flowering, but that actually is a flower. It's not a very pretty flower, but that is a flower. And it looks to me like she's watering it too much. So that's why it's all kind of tall and lanky. So slow down in your watering. Water thoroughly, but rarely, only when it's bone, bone dry. And and really, literally, let it go so dry that the leaves will start to wrinkle a bit. Might You might only water it once a month, once every two months, and keep it in as bright a light as you can. Um, it, the, like I said, a common name is ZZ plant. Proper name, if you're interested, is Zamioculcus. 
Zamifolia. It's a lot of Zeds. Wow. There's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, it is a nice sculptural plant. So, yes, it's, a, oh. it's an easy one. So definitely keep it alive by avoiding overwatering it. Okay. Hey, uh, thanks to all the folks who are up with us on a Saturday morning listening in to The Garden Show. Just a reminder, this show has been recorded uh, actually last Tuesday. Uh, and at, as I recall, the uh, forecast for the weekend was very cold temperatures expected. Mm-hmm. So keep warm, everybody, and thanks for tuning our way. Here's our next question from Patricia Aisling. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, hello, Charlie. Hope you're keeping well in your new home. I have uh, good-sized tomatoes and squash seedlings. I've been repotting the tomatoes into larger pots so they will reroot and become sturdier. But what about the squash? Mm-hmm. She goes on to say they're six to eight inches tall and drooping. I want to repot them, but can I bury their stems or will they just rot that way? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Pat Aisling from Uxbridge. Right. This is where we get so excited and we want to get stuff planted. The trick with squash is don't start seeds inside until we're two to four weeks away from taking them outside. So when is that? Well, in Uxbridge, the soonest you're taking squash outside is the end of May, I would say. So they have been planted a few weeks too early, and that could be a problem. You cannot bury those stems. I mean, you can bury them tiny, like, you know, a millimeter deeper than what they are now. But no, don't be going down a couple inches the way we do with tomatoes. So you have two options. Uh, Just keep potting them up into bigger pots as you are able, or compost them and start again, because you actually really do probably have time to start again and have nice, small, uh, compact transplants to take outside. It's We want the night temperatures, believe it or not, to be not dropping less than 10 degrees Celsius when we take out the squashes. Whoa. So we've got some waiting to do before that kind of weather arrives, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Okay. Here's a, oh, and a, a note from Doreen Webb in Gravenhurst, and she starts with the kind of comment that we love to hear. She says, your show is the greatest. <laughs> and she, she sent along a picture to you along with this comment. She says, um, my husband gave me this amaryllis last Christmas. It came in a kit form with pots, soil, etc. It's grown, as you can see, with four leaves, each well over two feet long. No flower as yet. Does this appear normal? It's uh, near a south-facing window. Would welcome your comments. Thank you very much, Doreen in Gravenhurst. Yeah, thanks, Doreen. We do love compliments. We thrive on compliments. <laughs> All right. I'm looking at that amaryllis and I'm saying to myself, a couple of things. One is it needs to be in more light. So they do have big, long, green, floppy leaves, which is what would be happening, except that uh, Doreen has staked them up. More light will help them stay a little more compact. Uh, they'll be a little less floppy. So get them into a south window if you can, or west window. I believe what's happened, since you didn't see any flowers, is that this was not uh, what we would call a top quality bulb. This was a small bulb and it was, you know, it was a kit and the kits don't always have the grade A bulbs. They sometimes have the grade B bulbs in them. And so it's a healthy bulb. It's growing leaves. It's all good, but don't expect, I wouldn't expect any flowers now. 
allow it to grow as a green plant right through the rest of the spring, get it outside if you can in the summer, or at least get it into more light. So it's nice and sunny, water as required, uh, you know, enjoy it as a house plant or as a green plant outside right up until the end of August. At, at that point, take that pot, because of course it's in a pot the whole time, Take that pot, and I should just um, make sure that she has potted it high enough. Because remember, we don't bury those bulbs. I think it's potted fine. Um, and the uh, you're going to stop watering it at the end of August. Just stick it in a corner somewhere. Stick it in your garage, on a porch, wherever. Or just in a, somewhere where you're going to forget about it. Stop watering. The leaves will turn yellow. It'll take a few weeks, but they will eventually turn yellow. And at that point, once they're all completely yellow, they you can just remove them. And now you have a pot with just the bulb sticking up out of it. And you let it sit there, let it sit there for at least eight weeks. Again, no water, no care, no talking to it, nothing, just ignore it. And uh, so now by this time now, we're up to about the end of November. And at that point, wherever you've got it, remove it from that corner, put it back out on that sunny window ledge, water it once and expect that you will start to see hopefully a flower and some leaves emerge again. So this process now is just the green leaves fattening up the bulb and hopefully maturing the bulb enough that it will uh, set a flower bud and be a, you know, a big enough bulb, a mature enough bulb to produce a flower or two for next uh, winter. Cause that's what, what you're doing right now is growing it on for that purpose. All right. Okay. I think anybody who's really attempted any sort of gardening at one point or another has tried to grow uh, tomatoes. So we have a, a note here from John Attard from Mississauga who uh, says, Hi, Charlie. Hope all is well with you and Frank. And my question is, we start tomato plants from seeds, and so far they are four to five inches in height. And I read that if you pinch the top, you get thicker plants. If that is, is that so? And when can we pinch them? Hmm. So there's the question. Okay, so you know who this is, eh? You remember John. I'm sure this is our John from Mississauga. So yes, shout out to John. Thanks for the question. Okay, so, uh, but I'm a little bit confused. Realize, yes, indeed, you can pinch the top of those tomato plants anytime you want. So they're four to five inches tall. Just pinch the top tip of the growing tip. And John says they'll get thicker. They're going to get more, they're going to get side shoots. You're going to have a bush. So if you want to grow tomato bushes, pinch the top. If you don't want tomato bushes, which I never grow tomato bushes. I grow tomato single stem plants, so I would never pinch the top. Um, I would, if they're getting so tall, up to 45 inches in height, consider repotting them and then pot them deep. Because remember, you can always sink a tomato stem under the soil and get lots of extra roots off the stem. It's one of the few plants that we can actually bury the root ball deeper than the soil surface that it's growing in now. That's what I would do. I would not pinch the top. Um, unless, like I said, you want tomato bushes, for sure, go for it. But I, I just find you'll be so dense with so many stems and leaves, you won't get a lot of flowers. You'll end up having to take half the leaves off if you end up grow, if you grow bushes. So that wouldn't be my preferred way. But you never know; he might have more space for bushes than than tomato trees, so to speak. Alrighty, we uh, we have to uh, have take another little break here, Charlie. Yeah. And but we will return, of course, with 
answers from Charlie to uh, all your emails. And thank you very much for sending such great notes our way. Back in just a couple of moments, the Garden Show from Zuma Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zuma Radio. Well, good morning. Uh, once again, Frank Proctor here, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming you to the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Charlie, uh, how are we doing so far this morning? Well, those questions keep coming in, so I do appreciate everybody sending in their email questions. I'm so happy to, to answer to the best of my ability uh, whatever it is they've got on their mind or whatever's puzzling them. And, you know, I am everybody's favorite uh, favorite gardener at this time of year because everybody's got a question. Even Joel managed to slip in a freebie there <laughs> in between uh, during our break. But we did uh, also receive an email, which isn't a question. It's an update from the Greater Toronto Water Garden and Horticultural Society. Karen Robertson, the director of advertising, sent us an update. So, Frank, maybe you could share that because I think it's a yeah. really it's great information. And I think our listeners would appreciate to hear it. Absolutely, Charlie. She says, thank you for mentioning our club and my name and number to call. I've actually had a bite three days ago. I got a call from an elderly lady asking about our shop. I guess she may have missed something in your broadcast saying we are a club. On Wednesday evening, I returned her call, and we had a great conversation about humor, gardens, health, life, Coronation Street, her place <laughs> of birth, and her husband's uh, Austria, Austria uh, her uh, time living in England and moving to Canada. They're in their 70s, and her husband's health is not so great. We had to part after more than an hour of chatting and laughing. <laughs> and my husband, it. president of our club, joined in the conversation. We all had our giggles from time to time. I don't wake up that early on Saturday to be able to catch your show. I just might do so uh, for the next show. A short summary of our plans going forward for our board meeting and membership. We're having virtual meetings via call-in conference line. We are meeting uh, tomorrow at noon uh, to discuss non-cash payments uh, for memberships and our plant sale, when and where, that sort of thing, and other events that have been postponed. One thing for sure, we all look forward to seeing each other again, share our stories, and <laughs> eat very well, she says. So thank you for that. Karen Robertson from the Greater Toronto Water Garden and Horticultural Society. Yeah, I love that. Eat very well. Uh, Horse societies have the best snacks, the best food. I, I mean, if there's no other reason to join your local Horse Society, do it for the food. Because <laughs> there's so many homemade goodies <laughs> at their meetings and great speakers. Right? You know, it's very educational, but the food is always phenomenal. And a note to Karen, remember, the Garden Show is podcast. You don't have to wake up Saturday morning if you don't want to. Uh, even, you know, listening live is hard if you don't get a, the signal, the AM740 signal. You can listen on the web, which I do from here on Saturday mornings, but you can listen to the garden show anytime you want from your computer. Very simple website. Just go to your computer, go to zoomerradio.ca or even just Google AM740 and it'll take you to zoomerradio.ca. And from that point, you go to the website and choose the tab that says podcast. And there's all the different shows that are podcast, including the garden show. Choose the garden show and choose anyone you want because they're all there. Here's a note about Rose of Sharon in from Jamie West in 
Colbert, who notes, first-time caller mailer. I don't have my bell. It's at the station. Son of a gun. So I picked up my uh, <laughs> staple holder here. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah. That'll do for a bell. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, that's your homework, Frank. You gotta find a bell for next week. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have something somewhere, like a gong or something. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> sorry, Jamie West says. Now that we're into May, is there still still time to prune my rose of Sharon, as it's the last to bloom of the summer? It's now about six or seven feet tall. How low can I safely cut it back? I'd like it to be only about four to five feet. I really enjoy and look forward to your weekly garden show on AM 740. Jamie West in from Coburg, Ontario. Okay, good question, Jamie. And uh, there definitely is still time to prune your Rose of Sharon. Because as you point out, Rose of Sharon is the last one to bloom in the summer. So it's a late summer, early fall blooming shrub, which means since it's blooming so late in the season, it's blooming on the growth that it's going to make over this next summer. So if we're ever going to prune a, prune a Rose of Sharon, we prune it now before it starts to grow. And of course, not, not only are they the last ones to bloom, or not the last, but they're late to bloom, but they're the last ones to actually bust out in leaf in the spring. They always look like they're dead and everything else is growing. So yes, uh, indeed, you can cut it down how far. You could go as much as halfway down. You say it's six or seven feet tall. You could, at the most, go down to half Better be on the safe side, take a third off the top, and then let, leave, just leave it alone. Let it grow. It'll grow this summer and bloom later in the summer and should be around four to five feet tall if you take it as low as three and a half to four feet in when you do your pruning. All right. Um, good time to do it and good time to ask the question. So thanks for that, Jamie. Very, very good. Thank you. And uh, we're going to take a little break here. Give Charlie a chance to catch your breath and get back to the questions here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, frogs, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Frank Proctor here, along with, of course, Charlie Dobbin. And, Charlie, we have a nice comment here from uh, Linda Brunton. She says, uh, just a note to say, Century Home and Garden Greenhouses in Port Perry are open to buy products, and they come out to your car with delivery and payment, which is, I guess, as we were talking about at the top of the show, a little bothersome, right? Everybody wants the darn things to open. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's that curbside. So if you know what you want, it's great. But if you're a, a shopper who wants to go out and browse and be impulsive and fall in love with something you had no idea you were going to buy, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She says, uh, I have overwintered three hibiscus, one very tall, 18 inches. Do I cut it back or leave it be? I'll be hardening it off soon to put outside for summer. And that's from Linda Brunton in Port Perry. Right. So Linda refers to three hibiscus. Um, naturally, I would assume she's talking about the tropical hibiscus, which is the plant we definitely bring in for the winter. And then when we take it out for the summer, it gets the big, you know, um, bell shaped or, you know, beautiful, big, typically red flowers. So I'm assuming that's what she's talking about. But keep in mind that 
Rose of Sharon is a hibiscus, <laughs> and which is a hardy shrub we leave outside year-round. And then there's a perennial hibiscus that is something that, again, we leave outside, but it comes up in the spring and disappears in the winter. So I just hope I'm assuming that we're talking about the same plant here, the tropical hibiscus. She says it's very tall, 18 inches. That's what's throwing me off because... Tropical hibiscus can grow very tall, five or six feet. Uh, so 18 inches wouldn't necessarily be that tall. Do I cut it back? Absolutely. If you have overwintered a tropical hibiscus or any of the tropical, the oleanders, the daturas, um, you know, the various and sundry, lovely, flowering, expensive plants that we will... Uh, buy it, you know, impulsively at the garden center in the spring, enjoy them outside in a planter all summer and try and overwinter them for the winter. Like Mandevilla is one we get a lot of questions on. Now is your time to prune. Because if you start pruning in July and August, you'll end up with no flowers whatsoever. So you want to prune now. You can prune hard. You can fertilize starting consistently monthly now. And you should see lots of new growth. And with as that new growth is starting to emerge, new leaves, etc., you should also see flower buds starting to form. So prune now and prune once only. Spring is the time to do it. All right? Alrighty. Uh, Ian Dixon out there in Milton has a question about his Sansevieria. He says, had for about 10 years, always in the same place in the house. He had now has more fronds flopping all over the place than standing up. And so he sent you a photo. I don't think it's supposed to do that. Is any suggestions? <laughs> yeah, that's Ian and Milton. So, okay, Ian, the problem with your Sansevieria is that it has well, okay, they are a great plant for neglecting. So we put them in the back of our closet and forget about them for a year and then pull them out of the back of the closet a year later and they still look exactly the same as when we put them in there. They're quite magical. They don't need a lot of light, don't need a lot of moisture. Now, if we do water them fairly consistently as Ian has, just like that ZZ plant question we had a, a few minutes ago these it gets all leggy and straggly and floppy because it's been it's had too much consistent moisture and uh, and now it's flopping all over so my suggestion is two things one is you could consider a bigger pot not too much bigger but go up one size on your pot if roots are growing out of the bottom of this one and uh, you may, you're going to have to tie it up. You're going to have to make some little, you might get some little bamboo stakes. Uh, you might want to use some chopsticks. It kind of just depends how tall those fronds are, but they're probably a couple feet tall. So you need some stakes of some kind. You're going to stake all around the edge of the pot. You're going to string some twine around the stake so that you make a bit of a cylindrical, almost like a peony ring, except you're going to make a Sansevieria ring just to hold those, those leaves up. They're, they're, they will not suddenly start holding up on their own. So you're going to slow down. You're going to water less frequently. So water well, but don't water so frequently. And that way the leaves won't be so soft and floppy. You want them to be much more firm. You want them to grow slower than what those have been growing. No fertilizer would be my recommendation. And if you want to get into a little bit of light, some brighter spot in your house, again, you're going to find that that will help be a little more of a sturdy plant and less floppy. So enjoy. Okay, if uh, I think we have time for one more question here. This is from right. Leslie Morgan in Brampton. Mm -hmm. She says, uh, Charlie, I love your show, even when pre-taped. I like 
uh, to grow cucumbers, squash, zucchini, etc. Usually I get lots of healthy foliage and flowers, but rarely much fruit. What am I doing wrong? Yeah, I've had this problem too, where you, you grow, like uh, that's all the same family, right? Cucumbers, squashes, zucchinis. They're all the same family. Cucurbits, they're called. They have male flowers and female flowers on the same plant, but they're separate flowers. And pollen has to go from the male flower to the female flower in order to get any fruit on any of those plants. So how does that pollen move around? That's where we rely on insects. And the interesting thing too about the cucurbits is that the flowers open as the sun rises. So you've got that early morning, you know, 6 a.m. kind of brightening happening in the sky. The flowers open as the sun is rising and you need insects floating around, moving the, the pollen from flower to flower. If you, if you just find you don't have a lot of insect activity in your garden and, and again, you're just not seeing that pollination taking place, then you are going to have to be the, the insect. You need to get yourself a little paintbrush or a little Q-tip and you need to go early in the morning and, and move the pollen from one flower to another flower, move pollen all over the place. And, uh, because the flowers don't last. They will shrivel up by noon. Uh, so you got to do it early in the day if you're going to be the pollinator. And that's that's the bottom line. You need those pollinators. And remember, um, Emmy was talking about bees and pollinators last week and how important they are for us to get any fruit at all. You got it. Hey, I can't believe it, Charlie, but we're at the checkout counter. Huh. We've got a you pull a halt to all proceedings here, but gee, it's been fun this morning, and thank you so much to all the folks who have sent the emails into us. No kidding, yeah, thank you, thank you very much, and and I know Frank, you had a couple in your back pocket, so we'll see. Maybe we can get to some of your friends and family's emails next week uh, when we're back here on the Garden Show. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks so much, Joel, Frank, all our great writers, callers. Thanks, Emmy. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.